0: Welcome to the RIPE Global Podcast, a podcast providing innovative and inspirational dental education to dental professionals and their teams worldwide. Each fortnight, we deliver relevant content covering procedures, educational opportunities and interviews with rock stars from the dental world. As we explore successes and failures of dentistry, learn practical tips and expert advice to help you become a better dental professional. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. And this time you're not joining me in Hanover, New Hampshire, but I actually t- took a little road trip down to Keene, New Hampshire, which, of course, everyone knows where Keene, New Hampshire is. That's the cultural center of the universe. But I'm here with my uh, good friend, uh, ripe global educator, and my own periodontist as a clinician and as a patient, Dr. Tay Kwan.
1: Tay, welcome. Thank you so much for having me and Mike, uh I really appreciate you coming down to Keene, the yes. center of the culture. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, you're you're welcome. So it's always a joy to come down, catch up. I mean, we spent the morning going over cases, talking mm-hmm. about how we communicate and all that sort of thing. You know, with you being newer to Bright Global, can you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, family yeah. life, where you're from, all that good kind of thing?
1: Absolutely. So uh I am a period honest, uh, by training. Uh I period training at Harvard School of Dental Medicine um, and that made me come to the United States actually. Uh and I have been practicing periodonics since two thousand fourteen. Okay. So it's been almost eight years now.
0: So you, you went you're from Canada?
1: That's right. So and did, you
0: did your you did your what they call undergrad, I guess, dental school yep. up in Canada. Where and where did you do that?
1: I went to University of Toronto. Okay. Yeah, uh, for dental school and finished there in two thousand eleven and then I hopped into Harvard School of Dental Medicine for period right away.
0: So you didn't do any private practice at no, all, you just went straight into your training program.
1: Correct. So I went into pretty much Much uh, period program right away, Um, and it was actually good to be honest with you. Because my wife, who is also dentist, Mm -hmm. always look at my prep class (laughs) two. I know where this is going. Oh, this is not good. (laughs) Should do period. So, uh, honestly speaking, I have so much respect for general dentist Mm -hmm. uh, who can, who should, who should be able to do everything. Um, for me, I'm not type of the guy gifted person. So it was easier for me to concentrate on one thing. Um, so,
0: I mean, with that, you know, aside from your wife, giving you a little bit of a ribbing about your, your exquisite restorative skills, why perio?
1: I mean, why not one of the other specialties? So perio, the one thing that really impressed me with perio was that this is the only specialty that allows us to build long-term relationship with a patient. Huh. Because period of disease is chronic, yeah. So unfortunately, these patients have to be monitored over long term, and so I get to see my patient for years um, and follow them. So if you think about other specialty, a lot of specialties are very prescription based work. Mm-hmm. You know, if somebody needs endo number fourteen, number fourteen endo done, and then you probably see the patient for a follow one or two times. Mm-hmm. But unless they have another issue down the road, you may not see the patient again. But for perio, I have patients who are coming in for years, and even though they're very stable, they still need to be maintained. Uh-huh. And uh, so, other than general dentistry, perio was the only uh, branch of dentistry that allows me to uh, focus on non-restorative stuff. Well, I mean, when you, when you say
0: that, I mean, that's an interesting point mm-hmm. of view. Some people go into specialty mm-hmm. uh, treatment or specialty care, specialty training. Because they don't want those relationships. They want to be more technical. They want the in and out patient. Where does that come from? In, in your in, you know, what makes up Taekwondo? How how is how is relationship pace dentistry
1: important to you, or why? Where you know, you know, at the end of the day, what I to me the biggest reward that I have is patients' compliments or their appreciation, mm-hmm. um, and. You know, everyone has their, you know, different perspective on why they want to be a dentist or why they want to do what they do. But for me, you know, the patient appreciation was number one. And uh, I know that comes from building a trust on them and then building a trust on somebody. It's not something that you can build up in meeting once or twice. Right, right. Uh, so by doing this period that allows me to look, you know, look at them for long term and then build their trust. Um, and then once the patients start showing me the signs of trust and appreciation, it's like, uh, to me, that's the, that's the driving force.
0: Did you have that perspective before you went to perio school or did you develop it during your specialty training?
1: Probably, I think it also comes from personality, to be honest with you. So I'm a very people pleaser. Yeah. So I would like to please everyone. and <laughs> And also, I like meeting new people. Uh, and then getting to know them. Uh-huh. Uh, and I think some of them is also coming from my personality a little bit too. Yeah. On the other hand, my wife, uh, who is a general dentist, she's the type of person who start at eight o'clock, turn on the dentist's head <laughs> and then six, of, you know, four or five when she's done, no more dentistry. I, I'm, no I'm, more... Mar- I'm
0: married to one of those as well. Although yeah. that's changed since Janine has been, uh, you know, gotten into sleep medicine and, and watching her get excited about that. Yeah. Alright, well, you know, this might be just the stupidest question ever, but I'm gonna ask it anyways. So why Harvard?
1: So Harvard was really good in the fact that it did not have a structured requirement. Mm-hmm. How how do you mean? So some program may say Monday morning you spend time in the clinic mm-hmm. and on your first year you do scaling and root planning. And in the afternoon you do research. Or they have a certain time that you have to spend you know, uh, certain activity, uh-huh. um, but Harvard actually allowed me to pretty much create my own program and my own schedule. Right. We actually schedule all our own patients and they did not have any requirement uh, you have to do certain tasks before you do, let's say dental implant. Okay. So, believe it or not, once I start my program in September, uh, starting patient in two weeks, I was doing implant. And I had no idea about the drills and then what is in the kit. And then my uh instructor actually hand me drill by drill. Yeah. And I say, okay, Tay, this is the next drill. This is the next drill. So they kind of threw you in the in the water and then you just have to figure out how you're gonna swim. What do you feel like the advantage and
0: disadvantage of that kind of approach was?
1: You know, the advantage of that is it actually goes with I do know that the Ripe Global has uh, restorative program where you actually prep number of teeth in a certain time, and then you actually they actually let you fail. Right. We Lincoln calls that failing fast. I love that because to me that's almost like the best way to learn. Because once you actually do th- do this, and you think, oh my god, I'm so proud. And then as you learn more about the concept or you know principle, you're like, oh my god, now I'm looking at the same prep or same you know implant that I did earlier thinking that it was perfect and then you look back and then you're like wow I should have done that I should have done that I should have done that so it's almost like you learn by your own case mm-hmm. and your own experience right and as you know it will stick to your head much longer if you actually have actual hands-on experience mm-hmm. with your failure yeah. as opposed to reading a book or case report I mean you're, you're
0: experience in your skill set with implants treatment planning and execution is is remarkable to me and you're so you're you're wonder wonderful to, to practice with and share patient care with how did that excellence happen when you get to select your own track when you get to do all this and not just to be honest not all periodontists end up with the skill set that you have and right. i know i know you're a humble person that's that's a <laughs> tough question but I, i'd like i'd really love to hear some insight on that
1: very, very good question. Um, one thing that I learned through my training in dental school and residency was that I was never afraid of trying new things. So one of my instructor always told me, hey, when you get out there, you always try new things. But the way you want to try new thing is you have one foot on the ground and the other foot on the ice. So, at least you have a, some base on it. Yeah. And then that was actually a perfect a sentence that I always practice by every day. Mm-hmm. So, that even though I try new things, I still have a, the other foot on my ground so that I can always rescue if something goes wrong. Okay. So, by trying new things, I built my confidence. Uh, and then sometimes, and then that, what that allows me to do is I read the journals or I read some case report and I look at it, I was like, oh, that makes sense. Next day, I'm trying on a patient. Yeah. So that process was initially was very fearful. Mm -hmm. And I was afraid that I'm going to do some harm Mm -hmm. on patient, but repetition of doing that and then confirming that, oh, I can do this. when I look at the new things that actually allow me to just try new things and get better every day.
0: Well, I mean, you you talked about creating your own Mm -hmm. system at Harvard. You talked about uh, foot on the ice, foot on the ground, but you also had to have mentors and people that you looked up to so who were the who were the the guiding informative influences on your life as a as a periodontal surgeon
1: so there is a period on that i i call as a mentor uh is dr liran Levine. uh he is currently the chairman at university of alberta mm-hmm. um, and uh, he was pretty much the one who taught I me mean, a lot of patient management um Dealing with uh, complications mm-hmm. of implants, um, and then some basic surgical skills, yeah.
0: What are, what are some of the top tips he gave you of dealing with that?
1: Mm, I'll probably say one of the things that I always admire him, uh, you know, in terms of his knowledge was that treat people. You yeah. you're not treating teeth, you're treating a person. Um, and another thing that he always mentioned was that when you're speaking with patient conversation to, to be a better communicator, you have to be a good listener. And, uh, he had that, uh, skill on communicating with patient and then really listening to their concern and then formulate a treatment plan based on their concern, not based on period charting Mm -hmm. x-ray or uh, what is ideal Sometimes, right? right. Um, and to me, that was very refreshing. Uh, and then sometimes, you know, a lot of residents didn't like him a lot because they are scheduled for the surgery, wanting to do some connective tissue graft or extraction for the implant, and then he will come in and say, patient doesn't need it because, and then for residents, resident, that's such a big disappointment. Because one of the reasons why we do residency is to do more procedures, right? And then he always say, hey, even though I'm canceling your surgery today, and then you feel like you're losing an opportunity to learn technical aspect of dentistry, you will learn how to gain trust from a patient. How, how so? Can you expand on that a little bit? Because the reason is when you are. I wouldn't say genuine, mm-hmm. but when you actually put your perspective on patient's shoes and then you understand why. Um, sometimes patient doesn't want to do certain procedures. Mm-hmm. And then you as a provider know that patient needs it, and then you know the patient will benefit from it. Right. But the patient doesn't want to do it. Yeah. Sometimes we feel like as a profession we have to convince the patient to do so.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And sometimes nice patients will still sit on your chair and then let you do it. But sometimes if you just listen to patient and I say, you know what, let me try to understand why you don't want this surgery. Mm -hmm. And then if it makes sense to me and I say, you know what, you and I know this procedure needs to be done down the road, but let's just put it on the corner and then wait. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you have a fear of losing this patient, right? Because you... Because so sometimes you feel like the patient will never come back. Yeah. But believe it or not, if you just patiently wait, they're going to come back to you and they say, Dr. Kwan, I am ready for this procedure, and I'm really thankful that you didn't push me for that procedure.
0: The right patients, the right people at the right time. Yes. With the right skills. It's, yeah. One of, one of the things you know that, that reminds me of with you, and I think Lincoln also makes this, he calls it hygiene jail, where when patients aren't ready, or and we don't think they're ready Mm -hmm. Uh, i i know that when my when my team has seen you uh, lecture and share facilitate they were amazed at the improvements that they saw in your patient base without there being surgery done Mm -hmm. because you can have the best instruments you can have the best surgical skills but we're such a small part of the equation Mm -hmm. so can, can you share with the listeners what i'm talking about i think i just probably lost them but Can you talk about your home care preparation for patients before you even allow them
1: to have surgery? Correct, so anytime uh, when you do dental procedures, restorative or even implant dentistry or periodontal surgery, Mm -hmm. the outcome will be the best when you deliver the procedure. Let's say you do a crown Mm -hmm. and you deliver the crown. That's when you take the photo and that's when it looks the best. As soon as the patient walks out of your chair, you have no control how that crown is going to behave over a long term. The person who can maintain that crown as close as possible to the day that it was delivered is the patient. And we focus so much on that, um, educating the patient on how to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, And then by doing that, it also ensures the outcome of whatever you deliver, dental implant or. Um, periodontal surgery, making sure the outcomes um, stay long term. So what we do patient, what, what we talk to patient initially when we see them for the first time he said, okay, listen, 80% of the work in this is done by you at home, and 20% is done by us. And patient said, that doesn't make sense. I'm here to, you know, get the treatment and then I'm paying you all this for twenty percent. Mm-hmm. I said that is certainly true. <laughs> but we're gonna show you how to do this eighty percent every day at home. Yeah. And if somebody needs, let's say, coming for a comprehensive parental treatment with generalized pocketing. On a first session, we will go over the you know nature of the disease, what causes it, which is bacteria dental plaque. Right. And then we show them the importance of removing these bacteria every day uh, by showing them what I call as a one to three method, plus once a day, brush twice a day, what we call a rubber tip stimulating three times a day. Mm -hmm. And then we show them and then two, three weeks later, we actually have them back just to check how the patient is doing with home care. So there's no treatment attached to it. They just come in and then they show us what they have done in the last two weeks.
0: That that's so that's so refreshing, but it, it it's it it rocks the profession to the core. It's like, wait, how can we do this? How can we get paid? How can patients say that, but you know, the proof is in the outcome and you know the results of your of your care are impressive, just isn't big enough word.
1: And then you know what is really helpful to do that? Is mm-hmm. I actually touched based on this concept at RG5 once with you, but it's the photo. If you show the patient period charting, mm-hmm. they're not interested. Mike, I mean, we dentists, we fight with millimeter and one, two, three millimeter every day. But for patient, it doesn't mean anything, but if I show them the photo, when they, when they saw me for the first time, and then two weeks later, when they actually did a home care, and you put side by side, mm-hmm. I bet patient will say, holy moly, this is a big change. Oh yeah. And then the patient didn't realize that, actually.
0: That, that, that's crazy. I don't do that. And I take a million photos. I have to change that next week. <laughs> so speaking of that, you know, you're you're talking about changing patients' awareness, patients' perception, and, and all that. But what you just changed my perception. So <laughs> let's roll that education that you're talking about away from, if we could, away from patients for a minute, mm-hmm. is how does that education work for you in your programs, in your teaching? When you're teaching other dentists,
1: you mean about the, how we deliver the home care? Well, just yeah, yeah. I
0: mean, that, that's a pretty major mindset. I, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people show up at your programs and think, yeah, how am I going to hold a scalpel? How's the suture going to go? And now you're teaching them something just the same way the patient didn't
1: see this coming
0: is, is what's your, what's your perception of how? Your
1: dentists and periodontists receive that. So the first reaction that I always get when I do this is, "How can you do that?" Because uh-huh. financially, we are running business, right? And uh, how can you do that to make it profitable through mm-hmm. your practice? Believe it or not, uh, the ROI, return on investment, mm-hmm. can be immediate, or can be long term, right? By doing that, what I'm doing is I let the patient experience what I mean by this 80, 20 rule. 80% done by patient, 20% done by me. And then once they experience by themselves, and then all of a sudden they start trusting you, that's your patient. And after that, whatever you recommend, patient will trust you and then they will do it. So the patient acceptance. Will significantly increase by doing this short fifteen minute visit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, in terms of return on investment, because we are talking about finance, because that's the one of the biggest pushback that I get from Dennis, mm-hmm. I can tell you this will be magnified in long term. Yeah,
0: I think <clears throat> the way you explain that it reminds me of the sphere or pyramid of influence. Is at the at the base of it is it's authoritarian mm-hmm. do this on the doctor you need to or on the parent clean <laughs> your room and people will only do that as long as you badger them mm-hmm. then you get to the point that they'll do it because they trust you mm-hmm. then they'll do it because they want to mm-hmm. and finally is they're actually integrated into the recommendations is that they've actually become the ambassador not only within your office but within their circle of friends and influences I I think maybe that's where I see you leading us is this is actually a it's a it's not only a health builder it's a
1: practice health builder that's right yeah and patients see the value in our service through that Mm -hmm. Um, and then they trust you and you don't have to sell anything nice yeah
0: I like that well we talked about a lot of success in you know the things that you've done. How about hiccups? What have, what have been the challenges that you faced, either going back to Harvard and the educational model, nothing against Harvard, mm-hmm. and also in, in practice? What are, what are some of the challenges that you faced in these these years that you've been?
1: Mm, that's a very good question. I think the biggest challenge that I had uh, from changing from school to private practice was just a difference in the environment Yeah, (laughs) because I wish the school actually taught us a little bit more about. I'll say, practice management side, Mm -hmm. how we can incorporate um, how the private practice is running in the program a little bit. Yeah. So when I got out there, I had no idea. Um, Obviously, as soon as you get out, you're running in a tight schedule. And there are a lot of interest, uh, not only between patient and yourself, but also you interact with other colleagues. You interact with dental to dental lab, Mm -hmm. you have to communicate with dental hygienist. Right, right. There's so many interests that you have to touch. And then I wish the school was providing that a little bit more, Um, but at the same time, these can be very easily overcome by meeting the right people through continuing education courses or dental meetings. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, I happen to be very lucky to meet a um, group of periodontists and dentists hygienists who are likely minded mm-hmm. and, uh, and through that I was able to uh, overcome that challenges. Yeah. Um, and I can never emphasize more about the importance of professional connection of likely minded people through a certain program. And that's actually 1 of the reason why I joined Ripe global, uh, because we are very likely minded. We want to do everything better every day. We want to put patient 1st for what we do. We're not selling anything mm-hmm. um, and. And then also the program actually talk about many different aspects of dentistry, and so again I cannot overemphasize enough the importance of meeting the right people.
0: Well, when when you talk about that meeting the right people, it, what jumps to mind is the relationship we have, you know, as a specialist generalist, and the relationship that I have with with Doctor Blitcher and Lucy or Brooke mm-hmm. and Rebecca mm-hmm. is. I guess the question is in your mind, in your opinion, in your experience, what makes an exceptional GP specialist relationship?
1: Good question. First, I think I cannot emphasize enough about these, the importance of being open-minded mm-hmm. and good, good, good communicator, right? So between a general dentist and specialist, there should be there there are different levels of communication right One right. level will be through the letters, right So you just get the letter. um I saw this patient Mr. Smith uh comprehensiveperival, <laughs> you know,
0: <laughs> I'm laughing because we just talked about Mr. Smith. That's right <laughs> we're trying to genericize it. That's right. <laughs> Let's call him Joe.
1: <laughs> so I met this Joe patient uh, and then period diagnosis treatment, boom, here's the next appointment. Yeah, And so that's the basic level of communication, minimal. Sure. Um, The next level will be communication, but with some axillary, uh, accessory communication tool, such as photography. Right. Um, you know, I'm a big uh, proponents of taking photos. Um, I
0: cried I cry tears of joy when I get your surgical <laughs> reports. Yeah, you know, you know, I've got them in the past where it says procedure. You know, FGG. You know, free gingival graft number fourteen or number. You know, number two six. With you, I get the before after. I get the surgical photo. I get the after. I get the report. I get what you used. So just, I'm I'm going to sit here and have a moment and say <laughs> thank you. But no. but go on. So so we we talked about the basic letter. You talked about ancillary. You were getting into photography.
1: Mm-hmm. And then the other level is um, what I really like is there is a little more to it. Such as, for example, Mike, when you actually send me a patient. Mm-hmm there's a referral pad, right? You don't use that.
0: I haven't seen a referral pad in years.
1: Because the reason is you actually write me a letter about a patient and then it's not about teeth. Mm -hmm. It's about a person. Thank you. So you mentioned um, Joe is, is a patient who sometimes you write down is nervous about dental treatment because of what happened in the past. And then you share that experience with me. Sure. Or you may say patient had bad experience with another periodontist in the past, and then this is what happened. Or you may say you recommend this uh, treatment on, on, let's say, implant on this, 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 but patient is declining and then looking for alternative option. Mm-hmm. You and then you just write me about the patient as a person. So when I get the referral, I have so much more information before I even meet patient. And then I already when I when the patient is in my chair, I the first thing that I said to your patient is that, Joe, even though this is my first time meeting you, I feel like I already met you before, because Mike was telling me about your story over and over again, um. So I know what's going on. Now I know Mike's story. Why don't you tell me your story? Mm. And the patient tells me, and then this is where the communication skill comes from, right? Ah, uh, come in play. I just let them talk, then I combine your information, patient information, and then I can formulate a treatment plan. So again, from a referring dentist's side, the more information that you can share as a person, mm-hmm. as a tooth site, is always helpful. Now, another level of communication that I encourage a lot between specialists and general dentist is take out that barrier that you have to go through the front desk. Mike, you have my cell phone. Yep. I have your cell phone number. Yep. We talk through cell phone left and right every day. Yeah, and that eliminate another barrier of communication between specialist and dentist, because you can freely talk every time.
0: Right. We talk. We message. We do all that stuff. Yeah. It's um. Yeah. You know, one of the, one of the things that you talked about kind of just hit me though when you talk about how you invited the patient into the conversation, and that's just another aspect to the eighty twenty rule. Mm-hmm. We know, and and one of my most frequent phrases with a patient is an icebreaker, and the, it always starts with them saying something like, "Oh, you're the doctor; you know what's best." Mm-hmm. And I say, "You know more about you than I ever will. My job is to play catch up."
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: there's there's almost a there's an atmosphere change in the room when they realize that they get to be part of the process, not part of the preaching. That's right. And that they get to be, you know, all those words that we banter around, that we don't know what they mean, co-diagnosis, (laughs)
1: co-discovery,
0: that actually they take shape and heart and meaning in this sort of approach, Mm -hmm. yeah.
1: Absolutely. And you always, I think you mentioned once, I watched one of your video that you shared with Right Global saying, patient walking to the office with the best physician in their body. Mm -hmm. And they, you know, that's to me, that's one of the things, so you sometimes hear certain stuff and it stick in your head. that's actually one of the things that I learn or practice by every day when I meet patients.
0: That's the Albert Schweitzer quote yeah it said that patients carry their own best physician inside yes. them. they come to us not knowing that fact mm-hmm. and we're we are at our best when we allow the physician inside of each patient the chance to go to work
1: correct so yeah so that's what I truly appreciate um. You know what I learned from you and this is why I always tell patient tell me about your story. That's probably that's the one of the most powerful language that you can do to certain patient
0: tell me about your story tell me about
1: your story and then I always tell them you can go as much as you want yeah you can tell me about your personal you can tell me about dental history you can tell me about your family mm-hmm. tell me I want to I want to learn about you right and I sometimes I tell them this is a building a relationship You know, I want to know about you and then you will learn about me a little bit more and then we will actually sustain this relationship long term. And the funny thing is. Sometimes the. When you actually have a consultation, um, I, I do 1 hour consultation, probably for exam, I spend at most 15, 20 minutes. Um, then what is happening in 40 minutes, I just listen. They tell me the story and at the end of the day, when the, when patient is leaving, how many times you hear, thank you so much for listening to me today, or thank you so much for being generous with your time. Cause this is what a lot of patient crave for. Unfortunately, the way medicine, especially medicine is going is Mike, let me ask you, how much time did you, did your physician spend with you when you actually had your last physical, your doctor, not nurse
0: uh man (laughs) all of it yeah um actually the the physician that i was drawn to my Mm -hmm. primary care physician uh there are two doctors in the office and two front desk people that's what i see they don't so 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 (laughs) you you, you stepped on your tongue there a little bit because (laughs) i because i went to look for a physician that practices like you and i do uh they do all their own vitals they do all their own intakes this you know and the only thing they don't do is take payment and schedule great so they even break down their own rooms Oh, so really? I don't, I don't want to go that far, but but I've been there, but I know what you're talking about. And when you were saying that, the thank you, the thank you for listening, thank you. The other comment I hear is that was the most comprehensive exam I've ever had. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I know that that perception is just because we listened, exactly. not because we examined.
1: <laughs> exactly. Anyway. Exactly. And it's, it's so interesting and, uh, you know, patients are craving for that because oral environment it's such a private part mm-hmm. like sometimes i feel shy about showing my teeth to my wife who is a dentist and if she's the closest person that i have yeah but sometimes i feel very awkward or uh i have little hesitation when i get cleaning from my own hygienist i don't oh, just to... year two you don't feel yes. like you have to floss eight times <laughs> yes. like that day yeah so imagine the patient is beating you for the first time If you put your finger into their patient's mouth right away, because you just have to get through this and then go to the next patient, Mm -hmm. they are not comfortable. And then you're just one of those millions of doctors that are out there who does the same thing. So what we're teaching, uh, in, you know, right global is how to be different from, uh, 80%, 90% 80%, 90% of the providers, mm-hmm. and you want to be that 10, 20% where I don't even know 20%. I feel like 20% is too overrated. Um Maybe that 5 to 10% of the dentists were different. Yeah. And to me, that's more appealing to me. I'm one of those people don't follow the crowd. I want to be different. And like you or your physician's office, I want to be like that. Yeah.
0: So with, with that, you want to be different, and you know, we t- you're you such a positive person too. I, I, want, to flip, I want to flip the Janice coin to the negative side. What do we need to change? What needs to change? And so we talk about things we're doing, things how they're benefiting. What really needs to change within your specialty, within your profession, within the application of periodontal care? What do you feel that's missing out there that if you could wave that magic wand, you could fix some small part of the profession. <laughs> no pressure at all. Well, on though. period. Sure. Or, or general dentistry, whatever you want whatever you want to say. Uh,
1: clinically wise, mm-hmm. I would like to see uh, periodontists, speaking of periodontists, spending more time on treating disease as opposed to being operator. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of periodontists are moving from... Uh, treating disease to prescription work. Then I say crown lengthening number five. You crown lengthening number five done. Then I say number five extraction. You do extraction on number five, implant done. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like more periodontist periodontology program in the United States or everywhere is actually moving towards implantology.
0: Yeah, I think that's a fair statement. Yeah.
1: That's that's probably one thing that I want to change. And two, as non-clinical um, perspective, I would like to see less dependence on dental insurance when we are recommending a treatment. Mm-hmm. I haven't figured out how to, um, but I would like to create a certain way or to make it at least better in taking the insurance out of patients' head. Mm-hmm. And then really, so that it doesn't affect my recommendation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the one thing that I hate the most is I'll do one crown at, a year because my insurance will cover, you know, my insurance will max out. Right. And sometimes I feel like I'm waiting for another crown next year, another tooth break. And what do you do? Yeah. You know, so I feel like we sometimes become because of that, we become almost like a victim of patchwork.
0: Uh, so that's such a good way to describe it. And it, I guess I float back to that, you know, you know the purpose. Mm. Yeah, And they, they're they focused on the process just as much as you're talking about the operator with mm-hmm. the periodontist. We've created this, uh, well, we've contributed to patients being operators, mm-hmm. a prescription-based crown mm-hmm. a year mm-hmm. instead of it being health-based. That's and right. Some people only need a crown a year. Mm-hmm. But others are doing it because they think they're moving towards health, mm-hmm. and they're really not, or they're moving very slowly towards health. That the disease is actually catching up to them. That that one whatever a year, whether that's it's, right, it's like, uh, can you scale in root plane number, you know, number number three five? <laughs> and next year I'll, I'll have you, I'll have you root plane uh, three three. <laughs> so how you know, how would that work out? I don't know. Oh gosh, we're getting silly. So take you have something really exciting coming up. So the fellowship in modern implantology that you're the head of. So can you tell us about what that program is, what's going on
1: and what's coming up? So the implant program, we are actually starting in September this year, I believe, Um, is going to be, uh, so the way we structure this program is we interview a lot of dentists Mm -hmm. and educator, about their frustration with programs that are out there, right? We, I'm not going to name those programs, but there are programs that are very, uh, popular among dentists who wants to learn these dental implants yeah. uh, or how to place the implants. And we actually take this frustration or drawbacks of these programs, and then try to incorporate that into, um, this modern dentistry, implant module in right, global. So, so what, can, what kind of
0: frustrations are you talking about? You don't, you don't have to name names, but if you could share the frustrations that
1: they shared with you. Absolutely. Some of the program could be too didactical, mm-hmm. which means they tell you all the theories and then they spend minimal time on doing hands-on. Because mm-hmm. I'm not saying hands-ons are better, um, but some, everyone learns differently. Some people learn by repetition Mm -hmm. with their hand, eye coordination. Some people are better readers. Some people can read and execute the treatment, no problem. Mm -hmm. But if you have, if you're heavy on just one certain aspect, either didactic or clinical only, without both, then A, you're missing out the crowds, most of the people. But two, also as a provider, if you're providing a procedure and you have no background knowledge why you're doing it then your treatment is going to fail right because there's no why behind it nobody's gonna come into your office and here's my mouth take it out (laughs) and put an implant and put it back right yeah Yeah, nobody's gonna say that um so you have to look at going back to the same thing you have to look at a patient as a person Mm -hmm. as opposed to one side right and then the right global is going to have a great balance between didactic portion, but also hands-on portion, and this is gonna be very different. Another frustration that a lot of students or the dental colleagues uh, had from other courses is that it's weekend course. Uh huh. You just go on Friday to I don't know Dominican Republic or Mexico. Yeah. Have a nice drink, uh, and then you in during the daytime you just have many patients who are lined up and you just play same plan place implant place implant and then someday you're done and you come back and then three months later you go back there and then do again. right there's no structure uh with this program we run for a long term uh the program is running like a school mm-hmm. with very structured program we actually teach you from literally uh from the basics principle of surgery first, Mm -hmm. touch on every aspect of dental implant. So instead of handing you the drill on the first day, we'll actually go over an anatomical limitation of each site, how to manage patient, what are the um, different techniques on hard tissue grafting, different techniques in soft tissue grafting. We even talk about complication. And then after that, we'll go over basic instrumentation of each device that we are using. We let you try it on your hands, mm-hmm. and then we'll have some hands-on, on the model. Yeah. And then you... Well, good. It's on the model. Yeah. That it's not a... <laughs> if
0: we, if we, and that's honest, the, one of the honest downfalls of some of the programs that you're talking about is you're learning to fail fast on patients. That's right. On, I'm sorry, on people.
1: That's right. Yeah. And then after that, when you're comfortable, we'll take it to another level where we practice, you know, dental implant on patients, on live patient under supervision, right? And a lot of programs will have, uh, they combine this in a day or two, right? And as you know, this is not a race. There is a reason why certain residency programs are two years and three years. If you think you can learn the same amount of level in two days, weekend course three times a year. To me, that's too arrogant. And I'm, that's not the best service for patient. This right global program is tailored so that we make up for this private continuing education courses drawback, but also we eliminate some frustration from the actual academic program from regular university setting.
0: How so, how do you
1: eliminate that? Uh, One of the drawback in university setting, in my opinion, is the hierarchy, which means the relationship between, uh, there are too many, uh, you have to get approval from somebody who is more, uh, who is more authority to you. And there is some frustration from that. You know, you and I know, I'm sure you have uh, at least one person in your, back in your dental school who is close to instructor and mm-hmm. somehow he or she gets everything signed off much quicker than you. Mm-hmm. So there's a pressure that you have to please your instructor, Yeah, which interferes with a lot of learning, right? Fair enough. And two, in school, um, there's what we call as a test. And these testings are didactic testing. And your performance is judged by that. But you and I know at least one course where the course was not practical. (laughs) Right, right. Like you just went through it because that was a requirement. But you're like, why did I take the course? So there's a frustration from that. And then so in school, you have to somehow do something so that you can get a good score, but at the same time you have to learn and then you have a limited time. Right. But in Ripe global, you don't have to think about that because all the instructors are your colleagues. You have access to them anytime. Nobody's scoring you. I mean, we do have some uh, scoring system, but that's for feedback, right? Not right. not to graduate you, you know. No gold stars. That's right. No gold stars. No no, no, <laughs> no no participation. Really. Yeah.
0: So so <clears throat> you and I just stepped in an elevator.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We had you have like thirty seconds to a minute. So this is what a two year two year fellowship. Pretty much. Yeah. Get me. Give me the give me the, give me the thirty second to a one
1: minute overview of the whole thing. Wow. (laughs) So for the program, we start with, uh, you know, as I mentioned, basic anatomy of the course, uh, and then we go through the heart, soft tissue, grafting socket preservation to all the way to sinus lift. And then you will hit you with, um, single tooth dental implant. Mm -hmm. And again, you're going to move from modal to live patient. Okay. And after you master that, guess what we're going to go for bridge to implant case. Mm -hmm. Right. And after that, we go to more complex cases, Okay, like this anterior implant, okay, or implant overdenture. Nice. All the way to the famous all on X.
0: All on X. <laughs> I've never seen an X in the mouth, <laughs> so I, I haven't figured that one out yet. So, who's who's this fellowship? Who's this fellowship appeal to? Who needs to take this course?
1: In my humble opinion, it can be anyone. Yeah, because we know how to tailor this program and then you can actually hop into the program at any spectrum. So, if you don't want to take basic anatomy course, let's say, or basic uh, implant um, implant training, you can actually hop into the course later when you actually do more complex cases. Um, so, this is very individualized and in my humble opinion, anyone who wants to go to residency program, let's say, but doesn't want to go through a school system, you should take this course. If you're thinking about going to Mexico for evening course or weekend course to do implants, instead of going there, you should take this course. If you're a general dentist who wants to have a better communication with your specialist, not necessarily you're doing it, but if you just wanna have better communication because you wanna understand the surgical aspect or even restore, you know, aspect of dental implant, you should take this. If you have free time and then you don't know what to take for a continuous education course, <laughs> You got to take it because not just from the clinical point, you will build your network of people. That's another thing that you get from Right Global. How many members do we have in Facebook group?
0: 84,000, I believe.
1: That's incredible. We have 84,000 dentists in this team. And this is an incredible network that you can build on. And we all, most of us, are likely-minded dentists. For me, even that alone, is gonna be a infinite asset for you.
0: <clears throat> circle of friends, circle of colleagues, Absolutely. circle of learners, and like you said, we we think the same, we feel the same. Even in our differences, we have a core culture exactly. of excellence and safety in patient care. Exactly.
1: And then just look at it. I'm the you're the proof. I how did I meet you? How did I meet uh, Rebecca, and, um, you know, th- that's how I broke. I-, I met you guys through Ripe Global.
0: Yeah. It's a wonderful place. All right. Well, you know, that wraps about coming up on our hour. So, Tay, I really want to thank you for joining us. And do you have any uh, closing thoughts before we wrap up?
1: No, I, I just want to say thank you for uh, making me part of this team. And I'm extremely, extremely humbled and blessed to be part of this team. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking forward to meeting you all.
0: It's, it's, it's going to be fantastic. For those of you that are interested in the fellowship in modern implantology, you can jump on to ripeglobal.com and it'll, there'll be a place to click to register your interest. I'll probably throw something down in the, in the comment section or wherever that's going to end up. But until next time, this is Dr. Taekwon and Dr. Mike Melker signing off from Keene, New Hampshire. Have a great week and we'll talk to you next time. Thank you so much for joining us for this incredible episode of the Ripe Global Podcast. We'll meet you back here next time for some more insights from Ripe Global. And in the meantime, Ripe Global is teaming up with master dentists from all over the world to offer you a fast-growing library of world-class online lectures and masterclasses. Visit our website at www.ripeglobal.com and become a member today.